So let's uh, start with the text, uh, the first verse. Once known, mind itself is like space. So mind itself, as I uh, said, is um, an, is the word Jing, Jing Lingpa uses for Rigpa. The Tibetan word Rigpa. Jeffrey Hopkins, one of the important translators uh, from Tibetan into English, translates it as innermost awareness. Innermost awareness. Peter Fenner, who is my kind of guru in uh, in terms of uh, the introduction into this. And probably I will continue to use some of his material in, in this course. Calls it unconditioned awareness. So there's conditioned awareness, conditioned that which is moving, that which is based on conditioning, which is uh, so... Whatever is conditioned comes and goes, is in movement, changes and will disappear. So this is the stream of the five sense data and the inner dialogue and mental images. So that's mind itself. Some people, some teachers would call the conditioned level, the moving mind, just mind, and would call what is called mind itself here awareness. Yeah. So, depending on the teachings, you know, people do use different words. Uh, in the Tibetan, uh, if a Tibetan Lama uh, uses the word mind, he might actually refer to both levels. He might include the conditioned and unconditioned mind. Uh, so it's different words. So once known, that's a bit uh, debatable, yeah? Once known, because we have already heard that mind itself is not an object of knowledge. It can't be known. Yeah. And it's difficult to find a word there. Uh, if you use a word like once experienced or once realized, you see, just saying these words uh, implies that there is someone who recognizes something. But the recognition here or the experience here is a collapse of this someone experiencing something. It's it so the the recognition of mind itself is the end of the I. And how do you say that in words? But I mean there is a difference uh, in terms of it is already the case. It is so. This is already here, but 
it can be unnoticed and is for most people. So once known, mind itself is like space. So what is important here, and he says this uh, in the first verse also, he says, examples cannot really point out awareness. So this is important, that we don't take metaphors like space, or if I use the metaphor of the sky and the clouds, which is like, so the sky is mind itself, and the clouds is mind, so the clouds stand for the conditioned mind, for Sam, and the sky stands for Rigba, for the unconditioned mind. These metaphors, they cannot really point out awareness. So there is a huge difference uh, in uh, bringing images like this into the meditation and that's fine, you know, then you have a feeling of the sky and become spacious and but that's not the recognition of what this metaphor is pointing to. Probably you have heard this uh, uh the the you no know, the teachings they are like the finger pointing to the moon but they are not the moon. And it's very easy to uh, to get stuck in trying to understand the finger and, and being fundamentalistic about the finger and trying to experience the moon through the finger, through descriptions, through knowledge, through understanding, through study. So, once known, mind itself is like space. So, like space, and I've used this room as going a bit deeper. What does, what that what that means? This metaphor. And then he says, the nature of space is that there is nothing that is space. The nature of space is that there is nothing that is space. What does that mean? So I'm I'm reading uh, from the commentary of Ken McLeod how to how to handle sentences like that. Sentences which which they, which doesn't which don't make sense because before he says once known mind is like space and then he says the nature of space is that there is nothing like space huh huh that's a good response <laughs> so uh, and I've talked about that uh, last time um, and he. Ken McLeod writes about this uh, also in the introduction. Pay attention to what happens in you when you read the nature of space is that there is nothing that is space. So you pay attention to that. What happens in you? 
you may experience a shift, a letting go. If you do, rest right there. Do not try to explain it to yourself or describe it in words. Just rest right there. That is the way to read this poem. Yeah. So initially, when when we with our kind of normal way to read texts, we read a text in order to understand something. But this is more like a piece of music you're listening to. So the, the, when you read, when you listen to a piece of music, you are not approaching that with your rational. You could, yeah. So you could like think about the music, uh, but listening to music is inviting you into an experience. That that's what the musician wants to communicate with you, an experience. So the nature of space is that there is nothing that is space. Here we could uh, uh, kind of express it differently. The nature of awareness, the nature of consciousness, is that there is nothing like awareness or consciousness. There's nothing there. So, Ken McLeod in his commentary writes, Mind itself is not a thing. So whatever you find in self-inquiry, and we will, we are going to use a self-inquiry question like, uh, who, who am I, or what is aware? When you find something, like as an answer, ah yeah, now I think that's the space they are talking about. Wow. Forget it. As soon as you can describe something, as soon as it is an experience, it is not what is being shared here. What is being shared here is the capacity which is a which the the, the mirror, the, the the receptivity which can be also aware of, hey, yeah, there is spacious awareness, there is peace, and I am aware of it. So what is aware of that? What is knowing that? That's what we are after. That's the... That's what is being pointed to here. And there's nothing there.
So now, there is an experience of vast openness and trans transparent awareness. An experience so vivid and intense that practitioners are often moved to say, there is nothing there. The sense of nothing there pervades everything we experience. Even as we see and hear the world around us. Even as thoughts and feelings arise. Space is just there, whether they are objects or not. In this way, it is like silence or stillness. Silence is present whether there is sound or not. But what is that silence? Yeah? There is nothing there, but there is. What is silence? How can you hear silence? There's nothing there, but 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 there is a vast openness and transparency. Stillness is present whether there is movement or not. Stillness is present whether there is movement or not. Silence is present whether there is sound or not. The sounds, they come and go within silence. Movement can happen because there's space, there's space for the movement. And the stillness is undisturbed by the movement. The same holds for this awareness. It is there where the thoughts, feelings, or sensations are there or not. Once known, mind itself is like space. The nature of space is that there's nothing that is space. In the same way, examples cannot really point out awareness. Yet, I rely on such methods to shed light on key points. So right in the beginning, he says, in the beginning of this poem, what I'm actually sharing here, I can't share through these poems. It's impossible. Yet, I rely on exactly those methods to shed light on key points. So is there any question? Comment?
Yes. Can the direct path bring a gradual awakening? Yes. It's it's one of the many paradoxes, and uh, it seems that for uh, for most people, it that that the the recognition of what is being shared here um, deepens. So, it, but there's. It's different for for many different people. So it could be like uh, you have what is called a glimpse. And then you seem to lose it. And you have a memory of a glimpse. It can also happen that, because we are not talking about a spiritual experience, we are not talking about something extraordinary. It's not like, it's not an experience. So it can actually happen that initially you don't notice that something has shifted. It takes some time to notice, hey, I'm just more, it seems I'm less reactive. I'm, it, it seems that there's less, less seeking. It seems that nothing is happening. I'm moving, but I'm always here. I'm traveling, but that's just something which comes and goes, and I'm always here. While I'm sitting in the train, I'm in the same no space, and I don't, I, I don't come from somewhere, I don't go from somewhere, I'm always here. Yeah? So it's usually like a bit of a mixture of some glimpses which seem to happen in time and then a deepening of it. But there is also people who, like Eckhart Tolle or some people who, who kind of, in one experience, make a, a huge shift, which is unco un uncontrovertible. And... Uh, I just talked with someone who, who who had an experience like this. You 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 could call it an awakening experience. And, and what he told to me is that since childhood he had that anxiety around death, the fear of death. And it was, I mean, we all have that, but for him it was like in in his conscious, and it it, it seemed to be a problem. It was something affecting him, his whole life. And then this experience happened, and this anxiety completely disappears. And it was from one moment to the next, like an event in time, before and after. What happened then was, because he didn't recognize it as an awakening, because he had this idea, awakening needs to be something special, like something... You no, know, with I don't know, with your heart opens and bliss and and things like that. But it was not much. Not, not much. Something fell away. And he he noticed it, and then he was just he didn't share it with anyone. 
It didn't change his life. He just did what he did, except that this fear was gone. And then one month passed away, and two months, and three months. And then after one year, I was the first person he told, and he said, it, now it really feels it just has disappeared. In the beginning it was like, okay, maybe that's just an experience, something which comes and goes, and for sure I will be afraid again. But now, after one year, this basic anxiety is not there anymore. So sometimes we can kind of by looking back is wow yeah there there is actually something is shifting in me or has shifted something which is not dramatic something which maybe people even around me even didn't notice initially another uh, kind of progress progression in this is uh, if that shift of identity happened, that that doesn't mean that your conditioning, the conditioning, Sam, is kind of disappears. So you will have, so usually there is the conditioning, but there is an I here. Yeah? There is an I here who who has this trauma or this addiction or so if that falls away then that has is it's dynamic it, it it yeah it's just like it's neuronal pathways which still fire yeah there's nobody there anymore so it's lighter and more transparent but then there's a process of deconditioning that of in, in, in the Tibetan tradition, sometimes it's called purification, but it's more like a healing of that. Yeah. And the healing happens through, uh, through loving, loving present, loving awareness. Just being present to that. And, and there's layers of that. So, and maybe that's a bit of a, Warning also, because the egoic structure hopes so that through the process of awakening you will feel good, you will feel better. But what actually happens for many people is, after a honeymoon period maybe, uh, that the shit comes up, because the defense mechanisms the suppression, the the trying not to look at the, at what is there, that falls away. So it can can come up. It comes to the light. It comes into the conscious mind. So this is not a feeling good project. The awakening process is not a feeling good project. So those people online, if you have questions, you have to write in the Facebook group. 
and then I might answer or not. But, but I can't. I can't supervise it now. But it's good to get some discussions going or some sharing. You know? Uh, can you explain a little? I'm not really sure. Uh, was it when, you, when you talked about the silence being a condition for mm. sound. It's not a condition. Yeah. So the the silence is is unconditioned. It has no causes. It doesn't come and go. That which comes and goes, that that is conditioned. Uh, and uh, what I can uh, can say uh, about nonviolence is that unconditioned awareness is the most nonviolent thing you can think about, because it is pure love. N not in a not in the kind of Subject object love, grasping love, but it's, it's unconditioned love. So it's completely nonviolent. It is peace. It is, it's, it's like a mirror who, a mirror is completely nonviolent. It just gives space to whatever appears. But, but the mirror here, the mirror we are talking about here, is knowingness, is, is consciousness, is, is awareness. And it's a bit difficult to talk about qualities of that, qualities of the mirror-like quality, the mirror-like presence which we are starting to presencing. But uh, there is a goodness in it. There is a... What, like, that is... Uh, that's why uh, people who look into this nothing use words like God or love or Suffering is this this illusion of separation, this split between um, uh, there is something happening and it's happening to me. And with this split, grasping happens. So the grasping either to want to get rid of what is happening or want something else what is not happening. So that is this, that, that's like the basic dukkha, the basic suffering, the resistance to what is happening, wanting this moment to be different than it is. And this, uh, this, this grasping can, can be very, very nasty. It can be it, it can it can uh, it can hurt others. It it can hurt yourself. It's it it can be violent. Pain is pain would be it it 
can be helpful to distinguish between pain and suffering. So pain is uh, what is happening. For example, you have a contraction in your solar plexus. So, so that's pain. It's an energetic contraction. But then we turn it into suffering by imagining the I which has this experience and labeling it as something which shouldn't happen, which shouldn't be here, and then trying to change it or trying to resist it, struggling with it. So pain, pain, so suffering is optional, is extra, is something which which comes from from our conceptual mind and pain is just what is happening. And and you would then even take away the word pain. So if you if you go deeply deeply with the practice of not doing anything, then also that would fall away, the word pain, because that's something you do. That's something that's something you label upon a certain experience. And when you do that, our confusion uh, creates the appearance as if the pain is there, that it comes from here. But it comes from here as a label. So even, uh, even in, in, in a uh, kind of more progressive mindfulness practice. Uh, this is really very helpful to uh, explore the possibility uh, to be with something un- unpleasant with uh, less and less resistance, because that will reduce the suffering. So it's like acceptance, yeah. Um, which uh, can be like a practice in the progressive view. Like, I, I, yeah, it would be really good to accept this. Yeah, I, you know, as a technique. Here, the discovery in the direct path is that that's, that acceptance is not something you need to do. It is something which already has happened. So if you bring a chair into this room, the chair doesn't need to contemplate, oh, yeah, I don't like this, uh, the room doesn't need to contemplate, oh, I, I don't like this, this chair, I, I resist it, I, I don't want it, to, I don't want it to be a chair. Here, uh, as soon as the, the, the chair appears in this room, it is already accepted. There's not a, like a second step of a practice of accepting. So when you have an unpleasant feeling, an unpleasant experience, in this view, it's not allowing or accepting. It's not like a second step. It is, you recognize, it is being recognized that it is already. It is, there is nothing, it's already here. It's already accepted. The cloud is already there. The sky doesn't 
doesn't need to accept the cloud. The appearance of the cloud and the acceptance is the same thing. But acceptance allowing, letting go, uh, it, it's good, good skills on, on, a, on a kind of progressive wanting to feel better path. Yeah? And of course, we, more we, ha we have developed these skills, you know, we will suffer less, definitely. But this is much more radical. Okay, there was something else? Yeah. The last time you talked about identifying with the narrative, conceptual self, mm -hmm. you've also talked about frustration, this kind of separation to this energetic contraction, which is more like a body, somatic thing. What's the connection? How do they relate? Yeah, that's. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's something um, uh, we will look more into. Uh, so that's, I think, a good question to bring into the into one's own introspection. Into so, what's the connection? You know, what's like. Is the first a contraction, an energetic contraction, and then there's thoughts, or are the thoughts and the concepts, are they the cause for this contraction, or are we talking about the same thing? Um, so these are good, uh, good questions to bring in one's in inquiry. Yeah? Uh, Yeah, that's th that's what they say in the teachings. We, we can't check, but uh, because we we don't speak frog language. <laughs> but but um, the so when we talk about concepts, um, it's it's something uh, more subtle than. The obvious, like the me stories and the memories and and things. That, so that's a that's that's a very sophisticated level of concepts. What they say in the teachings that also animals have that basic conceptual without words, but it's it's a it's it's something it's something uh, um, it's something mental, yeah. Not a word, but uh, a, like a concept of me and the world. Something, yeah, I can't remember. I, 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 I don't think it's long time ago when I was a frog, but, but still, I can't remember. And why can't I remember? Because I didn't have thoughts then. You know, what would I remember? Yeah, but, but yeah. Yes, and then we stop. Uh, as I believe, you said, like this, through loving awareness, healing can occur. But when healing occurs, there was um, something I was thinking. Did you say then, when healing occurs, then the opposite also can occur again, and the shift coming up 
even when the healing has come, yeah, it so, can reverse again. Yes. So you you so the first the healing awareness. So we are not talking about self compassion here or something. So the healing awareness is not something you do. Yeah. So the the so that that's another kind of practice. Like, oh, this is a difficult moment for me, and I have you know I take care of myself and I love myself and and and, and that kind of that kind of practice. They they are they are very helpful, uh, but here we are talking about. Uh, the experience that the love is not coming from you. N- not from me. It's coming from you, but uh, it's coming from the from the big you, let's say. It doesn't come from the the condition, the conditioned you. So, and it, the conditioned you can be a very nasty conditioned you, a very judgmental conditioned you. And yeah, and that you can change. So you can kind of go through a training of becoming aware of the nastiness of your inner dialogue and then training another dialogue. Yeah. But this is something bigger. Yeah. So, but then, uh, so there's the conditioning. So there's the I and then there's the conditioning. And let's say this relaxes the identification with that I. So there's still the conditioning. So and then through that presencing of that conditioning, something it relaxes. So that's the healing process. So when it relaxes, then something else can come up. Yeah. So maybe I mean, and and now here in in Buddhism we even talk about layers upon layers, even from previous lives. I can relax in the and be in the sky, the love, and then the cloud comes, and there could be healing in one cloud, yeah. and then other clouds yeah. can occur. Okay, yes, the, the 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 challenge here is that it is not you who relaxes into the sky. It's not. It's not you who relaxes into the sky. Okay. Because that you, which could relax into the sky. It is a is a is made up. It, it, it doesn't exist. But the bigger me. Yeah. yeah, but the the bigger me is already completely just. It's it is already the sky. So this this idea of relaxing into awareness or something or resting in awareness, it's it's a helpful pointer, uh, but um, that's not what is happening. Why are you relaxing into awareness? The I which wanted to relax into awareness disappears. Mm-hmm. 